Hi, my name is Beth, and I am the host of the Seeking Light podcast. In a world that presents us with growth and challenges, there is tremendous light. And this podcast is a source of light through scriptural insights that I have gained through the years. Come join me as I share light in a world that can sometimes be confusing. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for jumping on today's podcast interview. I am with one of Matt's fearless educational assistants, Jessica Gurney. (laughs) And um, I asked Jessica if she would come on my podcast because last spring, I am Matt came, he called me from work. And he told me that he was actually really worried about Jessica and that she had gone to the doctor and um, they were checking out some lump and he was, Matt was just worried about her and everybody I remember in the office was worried about her too. And so I reached out to Jessica because I, I knew in the past that she'd had cancer and I wanted to talk to her and just kind of have her share with all of you, her journey and some things that she's learned along the way and things that she could share with you that would be helpful in your lives and also that are inspiring about what she's been able to do with her life. So Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So just so everybody can kind of get to know you, where did you grow up a little bit about your family life and your childhood and siblings and just about your family dynamics? Uh, I grew up in Sandy, Oregon. Um, I actually went to an elementary school. It was Bull Run Elementary at the time by Roslyn Lake. I was the last fifth grade class at that school before they closed down. And then I went to Cedar Ridge Middle School. And then I attended Sandy High School, which is the new Cedar Ridge. Um, I... As soon as I graduated high school, I moved to Montana and lived with a friend there for a while. They owned the Sandy McDonald's while I was growing up. And so they moved to Montana and bought McDonald's there. And so I worked there with them for a while. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with life. I wasn't ready to go to school, but I always wanted to be a beautician. So I came back home. And I went to beauty school and I am a beauty school dropout. (laughs) (laughs) I love doing people's hair and I love doing nails and all that, but I knew I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. I actually really didn't know what I wanted to do the rest of my life. I just knew I wanted to do hair. Um, I dropped out of beauty school and then I kind of fell into the partying life. Um, My little sister and I, I would drag her along with me. I have two sisters. I have an older sister, Shauna. We are three years, seven months apart. And I have a little sister. I am three years and seven months apart from her. My parents swear that wasn't planned, but. (laughs) Um, And then I went to medical assisting school. So my parents, you know, kind of gave me an ultimatum. I am the middle child. And I did a fantastic job at being the middle child growing up. I gave my parents the most run for their money. They would still like to tell me. Um, So I went to medical assisting school. I did medical assisting in phlebotomy. And during that time actually was when I um, had Bentley. And then I was living with my parents at the time when I had him. And I met Jonathan after I had Bentley 
and moved in with him. And yeah, I found out I was pregnant with Jace and married Jonathan. <laughs> so you had Bentley. Yes. And then you and Jonathan got married. You had Jace. Well, you have your, you found out you're pregnant with Jace. Yes. And you, you, um, this is in what, 2014, 2013? Yes. When I found out I was pregnant with Jace, it was in 2013. And, um, I actually, Jace, we were not planning on having Jace and I, um, my stomach was super hard. Um, and I went to the doctor and I actually had the IUD in, and for some reason my body was rejecting the IUD and they didn't know why they had no idea why. And so, but we are, we're already too far to the point where I had a baby, so they couldn't figure out why. And, um, so we just kind of brushed it off that my body was rejecting it. And we went on with time. And when I was about seven months pregnant with Jace, I had gone to the doctors cause I was having really bad cramping with him and I couldn't really, I didn't figure, I didn't know why I didn't know. I knew it wasn't normal cramping that I had had with my previous pregnancy um, but they kind of like chopped it up to being, um, like the ligament pain that you get from being pregnant. And I guess I should backtrack. Yeah. I did the testing. Um, I think it's the strep B testing that they do when you're pregnant, they go and do all the tests and all of my tests came back positive, but it wasn't positive for any of the testing that they were doing. The tests were just coming back positive and they couldn't figure out why. And, but again, there was nothing they could do without simply pretty much giving me an abortion because they would have to open my cervix to figure out why. So then I was going and then fast forward to the seven months when I started going, having the cramping, which were like early contractions and they had stopped them. This happened twice and they just figured it was, I was very big with Jay's. I ate a lot. I gained a lot of weight with him um, I gained about 80 pounds when I was pregnant with Jace and I was only 122 when I got pregnant with him. So we also just figured it was my weight gain. <laughs> I wasn't very active with him. Um, I had a one-year-old at home, like everything that we could think of that why my body was like, I'm done being pregnant. We're doing this now. So then they stopped it and they put me on like a slight bed rest for a while. And then I had Jace. They induced me a week early with him because it had happened again. And it was after I had him, my doctor had found a lump um, after I birthed Jace. And they kind of pulled out parts of it and tested the lump and found out that I had cervical cancer. Wow. Did you do any researching or questions like to talk to different people about maybe what it could be, what was going on before you found out that it was cervical cancer? So yeah, in the beginning, my doctor had come had me come in and um, we did a buyout. It's called a cone biopsy. And I had no idea what that meant. So it's where they went in and they cut out a cone shape 
chunk out of the upper vagina in the cervix. And they cut that out and that's what they biopsied. And she had told me that the type of cancer that they were testing for is one in a million for somebody my age. And that she is leaning towards the fence of more like HPV. Um, There was a history of that in my family. And um, she's like, so I really don't think it's, you know, the cancer that what they were testing me for. And it was about three days later. And I got a phone call from my doctor. This doctor has been my gynecologist ever since I had to start seeing one. And um, so she was pretty comfortable telling me over the phone and she had called and she was in tears in which I knew that it wasn't HPV. Um, People always talk about like tunnel vision, like their vision just kind of goes away and they don't hear anything. And I've never, ever had that happen to me in life until that day when she was telling me on the phone, all I heard from her was, I'm sorry. And then cancer. And after that, everything just kind of went blank. And I was like a new mom to a brand new baby. I had a one-year-old at home still. Like I was planning my wedding and it was just like all the thoughts of why is this happening? Why do I have to have the cancer? And so after I got off the phone with her, I actually had called like my whole family and everyone had come and left work and came to my house. And I didn't know what kind of cancer it was yet. Um, cause I just, I wasn't really like listening to her. And so my mom actually helped me a lot navigate through it and figure out what, what it was, what we were up against. Um, and that's when I found out that I had adenocarcinoma in my cervix while I was pregnant with Jace. Does it affect the baby when you have this specific cancer? It does not affect um, the baby. And it wasn't attached to anything that had to do with Jace. The only, well, one of the bad things about having it while you're pregnant is the cancer feeds off of your hormones. So it grew a lot faster than it would have if I was not pregnant. So um, I had got appointments for gyne- uh, oncology. And I went to Portland Oncology, which was a whole new world to step into. I was only 25 at the time and going to an oncology clinic was, it was hard in itself. It was not just for adults. Like there were kids there and there were middle-aged people there. There were older people there, but what really got me were the kids sitting there. It's like, they don't deserve it. Like why, why are we all here? And Um, there were kids there that were way past the stage I was with their cancer. And it was, it was hard going there. I think that was probably the hardest part of having it is seeing the kids sitting in the clinic I had to go to, but I went to an oncology doctor and I seen one and he was very upfront. He was very blunt about my situation. And he had told me there that I needed to have surgery like now. And, um, I wasn't done having kids yet. I wanted to have four. And so I, for a moment refused surgery. I didn't want a hysterectomy yet. 
Um, it was either that or to start chemo and radiation, which I also didn't want to do. I didn't want to be sick. I had a brand new baby and a one-year-old at home. And I just, I didn't want to go through what people with cancer go through with that. And so he told me that if I wanted to have another kid, I could have another kid, but I possibly wouldn't make it for that kid or the ones I have because the cancer grows so rapidly with hormones. So we went and got a second opinion and that doctor, she said pretty much the same thing that I need to have surgery as soon as possible. And she described the cancer I have as like a witch's cauldron. She said it like when it broke bruise and bruise and bruise and finally tips over everything on top spreads. And so that is kind of what happened. Um, and she also said kind of like in the form of a dandelion, when a dandelion forms its seeds and the seeds blow, they are planted, but we just don't know where until it pops back up. So when it's described more like that, it's kind of like, well, I should probably get the surgery because if I keep waiting and my hormones come back, who knows where else it'll pop up, including in my cervix. So I agreed to have the surgery done, but I told them that it had to wait until after my wedding because um, I didn't want to miss my wedding. And I also didn't want to be sick and whatever was going to happen for that. So it was March when I found out and we got married in July. So I waited until after July. How to... were you feeling like emotionally through this? It was thing? hard. It was very, very hard. It put me in a very, very deep depression. Um, and I had really bad anxiety. Everything I would go to the doctor for, I would call my doctor about, cause it just, I had no symptoms of having cancer. Um, I didn't get sick. I wasn't sick. I wasn't weak. I wasn't in bed. I mean, nothing other than the normal pregnancy feelings. And if I had to go back and think, I still would be like, no, I was just pregnant. Um, there was nothing different from my first pregnancy to the second one, except for the cramping, which was just my body putting me into early labor. But my doctor described it more as it was shoving the foreign object, the cancer out, not realizing that there was a baby in there too. And so, yeah, I didn't have any symptoms. And I know like a lot of people have like leading up to it, they get sick or they're very tired. Like when I hear from people and I didn't have any of that, but also I was pregnant at the time. Um, but I had a hard time. Um, Jonathan had to help a lot when it came to the kids. Um, I was sad. I would talk about it and I would cry. I never used to be a crier. Um, I know that's probably hard to believe because I cry about everything now <laughs> all the time. I can just start having a conversation and I will start crying. <laughs> and um, it's made me a very emotional person now still. Um, I still have anxiety. I was put on every six months. I had to go to the doctor and have scans done. 
And when that time would come and get closer and closer, I could feel myself like ramping up and everything then was like, I was anxious about everything. I would think everything, the worst of everything, something's going to go wrong. Um, even though I had a clean bill of health for the first nine years. Um, and then I finally graduated out of my every six months and they let me start coming back to every year. And then that's when they found the lump in my boob. So I'm back down to okay, every six so months. I want to, I want to, I want to go back for just a second. And I want to ask you, first of all, were there people in your life that were pivotal through this process and did it affect you spiritually going through this? So were there people pivotal in your life and did this affect you spiritually? Um, so affecting me spiritually, I mean, I never really, how do I say this? Like my family growing up, we never went to church or anything like that. Um, and I never really knew how to feel spiritually, um, but I was angry and I remember asking Jonathan one night, like, if there really was a God, why would he do this? Like, I didn't do anything to deserve it. And I never under, I never understood why kids, I mean, not that anyone should ever get cancer, no matter your age, but why kids and young people always seem to get it the worst. Um, so I don't know. I feel like Sometimes I'll catch myself saying like God did it for a reason. He knew I couldn't handle more than two boys. <laughs> like he's like you're done. And that's how he did it. Um I always try to make more positive out of it instead of negative because I was really bad about making it negative. Um that maybe I'm being punished or something. I put a lot of blame on not being with my oldest biological dad that that was just way of God getting back at me, I guess, because I grew up with a family that was together and married and I just, I never understood. So I just had all those things go through my head that that's why it was me. That's why I got it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. That's a hard question. <laughs> well, did, were you able to over time, feel a little more reconciled with those feelings or did they kind of persist? They persisted for a few years. Um, it was really hard to accept that I had it. Um, and I would always go back to the why question. I always, I just wanted to know why, why I kept getting it. Um, and then as my boys got older and time went on, I started accepting the fact that it happened. I have two healthy children. Um, and that's all that matters is I don't, I didn't need any more that, yeah. um, I got what I needed and they were healthy and they're still healthy. And I was able to raise them to who they are now. So, yeah. So were there people in your life that were really pivotal during this process the first time? Yes. Um, my husband and my parents were very, my, my little sister, she was like by my side and she still is. She had gone to almost every appointment with me. She was always at my house after my surgery, helping me. 
her and my mom and my older sister actually planned mine and my husband's wedding. Um, Cause I just, I didn't, I mentally wasn't in the right mind to do it. And so the three of them took over and did it for us. But I definitely think my little sister, she was, she still is by my side, even when I have to go to appointments still. And it's like one thing I can't do alone. And she knows that and she'll cry with me. She's a crier too. <laughs> like we all cry. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say my little sister. Your sister. Yeah. Okay. So spring comes and did you have any feelings like something wasn't right? Like what made you feel like, did you feel the lump? I did. Um, my doctor showed me like the correct way to check like my breast. And so I would do it all the time um, with the worry wart that I am. And my left breast, I actually felt a lump and it was up near my, my armpit. And so that's what kind of worried me because I know that's normally where breast cancer starts is near the lymph nodes. And so that was when I called and they got me in right away. They're very good about getting me in very fast. And I went in and we did the mammogram. And I thought it was really weird at the time, especially going through all the tests and stuff. Like I've kind of caught on over the years that there's things they find that they were taking more images of my right breast than my left one when the left one was the one that I had had the complaint about. And then the lady taking the mammogram, they, they just become so quiet. Like they yes. know there's something, yes. but they can't say anything. And like, you can feel that in the room. Yes. And so that really set the tone. <laughs> and that's kind of when my tears started, of course. Um, were you so alone? I, were you alone? I was, um, I was alone. My little sister was with me, but in the car with my nephews, they had a little like movie party in the car while waiting for me. And um, my nephews are always by my side when my sister does things, which is nice because, you know, having like the little people there when you come out makes it better. But she was in the car with them and um, the mammogram tech had went and got the doctor and they sent me for the ultrasound. And that's kind of when I knew that something wasn't right, because like I said, this was my fourth mammogram and I've never had to have an ultrasound before. And I knew that they had found something because they were only taking the ultrasound of my right boob. And I kept questioning them if they were doing the right one because the lump was on the left side. And she would just kept reassuring me like, we know, we know, we know. Um, and then it was when the doctor came in is when I really just kind of lost it and the tears started. And that's when she said that they did find a lump and it's very a dense dark lump and that's what's making them concerned <coughs> um and that I need to come back for a biopsy and so I scheduled for my biopsy and that's when I went to work the next day and let Mr. Noel know that I needed time off <laughs> without a doubt you needed time off so you said yeah. you scheduled your biopsy and did you take, did you take Jonathan or your sister or your mom who went with you? <laughs> I took my little sister with me 
John, <laughs> I know a lot of people think it's weird that I don't take my husband, but he does not do good with things like that. And I learned that when I first got my cancer. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm fighting a cold. <laughs> um, in the very beginning when I got my cancer, I didn't understand why he wasn't very emotional like I was. And I was like, oh, do you, he just he just doesn't care. He doesn't care. Like he worked a lot um, once we found out he was always working. And as like my cancer progressed and the appointments progressed, <clears throat> I realized that that's how he coped with things was working. I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, and so when it happened this time and they found the lump in my boob, he actually worked later that night than he should have. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. And so my sister went with me. Um, <clears throat> and he would text me and call and my appointment went longer than it probably should have. So then he would call again. It's like, what's going on? And so I had told him that we're doing the ultrasound and then I would call him later. And so when I did call him, I, of course, was upset and just let him know what was going on. And he got very quiet and he's like, I'll talk to you when I get home. <laughs> but yeah, <clears throat> I took my sister and yeah, she just talked to me all the way home and it was hard. It was really how quickly, hard. How quickly did they get the biopsy? back the results um I want to say my biopsy results came back it was like three days later is when they came back and that's when they told me that I needed to come in and do like insert the seed um into okay, my now tell everybody tell everybody what that is explain so that. I explain it like a seed, like a sunflower seed. <clears throat> That's about the size that it is. And it's just a little metal piece <clears throat> that is. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. One second. My throat is like. By the way, that drink is amazing. <laughs> I love that one. <clears throat> um, It's a little tiny metal piece that goes into the soft tissue where the lump is in my breast and it will an ultrasound will detect it for when I come back in for my screenings it will show if the lump is getting bigger um, if it's progressing color and any type of density change <clears throat> it will detect over an ultrasound it will stay there forever until they decide to take the lump out if need be. Um, right now it's still showing benign, which is good. Um, I do go now every six months again. So my yearly <coughs> um, appointments only lasted one year, which is okay. Um, I've gotten used to that every six months and it actually does give you like a fulfilling like mind that, I'm good. We just need to make it another six months instead of 12 months. It's a lot easier going six months. 
Well, and Matt, one thing that he's really appreciated about you is how, how positive you are and like, you're just smiley and positive. How do you get yourself to do that? Um, I think if I let the darker side get to me that I just, <clears throat> I don't think I would make it very far. Um, when I do finally like deeply talk about it, it gets to me just because I know that it's still wherever it is in my body and it's only time that it will come back. Um, I know when it comes back, it's going to come back with a vengeance <clears throat> because my immune system is so low because of the cancer. Um, I get sick really, really, really easy and I get sick for a long time, which sucks. <laughs> um, when I had my hysterectomy, so the surgery that I had was a hysterectomy, a partial hysterectomy. <clears throat> I was too young at the time for them to take my ovaries. So in the state of Oregon, <clears throat> doctors will not take your ovaries out unless you have a medical reason. And since the cancer didn't get to my ovaries yet, I had to keep them, which then <clears throat> I was upset about because breast cancer or ovarian cancer is the next thing to come um so that's why I have to do the every six months screens for them um they took out so it was a partial hysterectomy so it's my cervix my uterus um once they were in there they realized that the cancer had spread to um the upper part of the vagina so they had to cut that out all the surrounding tissues had to be cut out and lymph noids um, all through your bikini line. And to do that, they had to cut out a lot of nerves. So the bikini line out to like my sides of my thighs are numb. But it's like a weird numb. It's like not fully numb, but you can't really like feel if you put your hand on your leg it's it's the weirdest feeling but it's not normal <clears throat> um so yeah that was the surgery that i had to have for the cancer when you woke up from that did you did they say hey look when we got in there it spread we had to do more and did that was that hard for you to hear yes <clears throat> um they did let me know that they had to cut out a lot more than what they previously thought. Um, and it was hard because I didn't, I didn't want everything. I just felt like I was too young for something like that to happen. I was too young to have. And at the time I wasn't very like aware, like when they're like, we had to cut the upper part of the vagina and all these things. Like it was just so much at one time. And then to not have feeling in a spot you had feeling before, like on the bikini line and my upper thighs was like, this wasn't supposed to happen. No one told me that, you know, I was going to not have feeling. Um, but my doctor told me the reason why is because they had to cut out farther than previously planned. And it did cut through some um, 
like arteries yeah nerves in there so that was really hard to hear um and then they were giving me medicine at the time because it was it is painful but definitely not a surgery like it used to be way back when um i only have five little tiny scars in my abdomen and then everything they pull out vaginally now but the internal pain is what hurt in my abdomen it was it was a lot um so they were actually giving me some very heavy heavy medication at the time um it's called dilaudid and i'm yeah. not really allergic to any medication well i never was and i actually my throat was swelling with a dilaudid and so like that was a lot too and i remember my dad was sitting next to me i'm like i can't breathe i can't breathe <clears throat> like i don't want any more of that and the nurse is like no you're fine <laughs> you're fine you don't have any allergies and come to find out i am very allergic to dilaudid so it was a lot waking oh, wow. up um with the doctor going over everything no feeling where i used to have it and then that and yeah it was quite the experience so my whole family was there which was nice it that helped a lot um when things get rough and hard i revert back to my family always and so they definitely helped they still do to this day like when i found out i had the lump um in my boob i had told I'll see here I go I had told um everybody except my dad because I knew that he always takes it the hardest out of everyone when things go bad and I just I didn't want him to know and I had gone to my parents house and it was actually the night after I had told Mr. Newell at work and I went down there to get something from my mom. And I just, like, as soon as I seen my mom, I started crying. My dad had walked into the kitchen. And he had asked what was wrong. And we had told him. And he was like, it's going to be fine. Like, we'll get through it. And, but it was hard because he instantly, he tries not to cry. But he does. Even though he tries to <laughs> cover it up. But. My dad is always the hardest for me to tell wow. when it comes to anything. So, <laughs> yeah. It's so wonderful that you have such an amazing family that loves you so much. Yeah. And it, it just makes it easier, I think, to be positive about it because I know they're always going to be there for me. Mm -hmm. um, I also think like having like the friends and my husband and the boys and like, as both of my kids know that I had cancer, um, they both know that I had a spot in my boob. I, I don't like keeping things from them because I am an emotional person and they do see me get upset. I just have a hard time hiding it. Um, and they know and they always will tell me like, it'll be okay. Like you can just go to the doctor and they'll, they'll help you and so I think like their good spirits about things is what helps also. But I always have to tell myself that I had two healthy kids and there's a lot of people in this world who can't even have that. So I think that's also what helps me stay so positive about the timing of when I had my cancer and just the fact that it hasn't come back yet. And I've made it nine years and the only lump I've had come back is benign. So 
Yeah. Well, that's a, a great thing. Okay. So what, what advice, Jessica, would you, okay. For those of us that are on looking and your friends and wanting to do something like what advice would you give to people that want to be there, want to help and don't know what to do? What, what are some words of wisdom you could give everybody? Um, like if they want to be there for someone that has cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I would say to try to refrain from the word sorry. And I know that kind of sounds silly and I catch myself doing it, but it's not anyone's fault. Um, and I know like always saying sorry is like the one word that we just as humans go to because like we are sorry it happens to people, but really just being there for that person in any way that you can if it comes to just letting them talk, letting them vent, letting them cry, letting them get it out there, even if it might feel personal, it's not. Um, letting them just like ask why all the time, even if you don't have an answer, you don't have to have an answer because there really is no answer to why people get sick. Um, and just checking up on them making sure they're not falling into a dark place because I know that was the hardest for me. And I had a lot of people, whether they were just stopping by or calling or sending a card, just making sure that things were okay. And like my aunt, she had my cousins came and they hung out with me and just making sure that whatever that person's going through, that they're not going to fall into a deep, dark place that they won't come back from. That's great advice. So is there anything else in regards to what you've kind of gone through in your mind emotionally over the last, you know, several months? Like where do you notice a change in your mindset in since this experience from the spring happened compared to, you know, in March to 2014, do you notice a change in you emotionally? I do. Yes. Um, I'm more aware of how I take care of myself. Like when it comes to going to the doctor, um, I was always like <laughs> my, it's funny. So like, girl, it's not funny, but growing up, my mom would always call me a, um, like I was just always worried. I was sick all the time. Like the small hypochondriac. Spot. Yes. I hypochondriac like all the time. And I'm like, I would never go to the doctor, not because of that, but just because, I don't know, I always thought it was like the silliest thing. It's like, I don't need to go to the doctor when I have a sore throat. I don't need to go to the doctor just because I have a headache or whatever. Now, I will go to the doctor if I have a headache I can't get to go away. Or like, if I have pain in my stomach that won't go away, I will go to the doctor now. Um, I feel like my mindset really changed on that. Like the doctors are there for a reason, whether they label you as a hypochondriac or not. Um, also because I was not good at going and getting pap smears and mammograms before I was pregnant. So if I never would have gotten pregnant with Jace, I would never have known I had cervical cancer until it was probably to the point that it was a little too late. Um, so I do, that is one thing that I always tell people is to never not go and get your pap smears and your mammograms when you're supposed to, because like they say, 
cancers like that and ovarian cancers are the silent killers and you don't know you have it until it's too late. So I will also take my kids to the doctors for the dumbest things, <laughs> but <laughs> I just, I just don't want to worry. And I just want to have that peace of mind that they're okay. Or myself yep. is. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. I know that you have just been, you've impressed Matt, Mr. Newell, as you call him (laughs) (laughs) with how positive you are and how you're just pushing forward and being an example. And um, the last question that I ask everybody that I interview is how do you personally seek light? So what do you do to fill your soul with light? It is spending time with my family. That will always be the number one thing that fulfills me, um, that makes me happy, is spending time with my family, like my husband, my kids, my parents, my sister, my nephews, my brother-in-law. If it wasn't for all of them, my life just really wouldn't be what it is today. And so being with all of them is what truly makes me happy. Jessica, I am so glad that you're at Matt's school and I'm grateful that you would be willing to talk about this because unfortunately, um, a lot of women that I know right now are experiencing cancer. Um, most of them are breast cancer, but it's, it's, it's hard because you want to do something and you don't know what. And so I really appreciate you being vulnerable and talking about it. Yeah, you're, thank you. I am so grateful that you listened to my latest podcast. Please share these episodes with your family and friends. I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day.